0: We need a revolution, there's only one solution, I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me the love, we need a revolution.
1: Hey there, yes indeed, as the music says, we do need a revolution, and guess what? We've got a revolution happening. This is an Informed Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD.TV. And I'm going to bring on my sidekick, Javier Figueroa. Hello, Javier.
2: Hello, Bernadette.
1: Good to see you. How are things? uh, Are you in Washington State or are you in another state right now? Still in
2: Washington. I'll be leaving for Boise in a couple of weeks uh, for the final move
1: awesome well congratulations on the move and thank Thank you you. for sticking with uh informed choice washington and an informed life radio even though i transplanted my body to tennessee my heart and soul is still fighting for freedom and truth and justice and the american way in washington state we're not abandoning our loved ones um, or where our roots are you know it's a beautiful state with beautiful people in fact our second hour javier We've got the wonderful Misty Flowers from up north in Bellingham. I adore this woman. She is so amazing uh, with the activism that she does and her organizational skills. So excited to hear from her and about a project she's um, got going up there. Um, So we do have a revolution happening. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's pre- COVID as we've kind of discussed before, there were a lot of people who knew there there was a lot of corruption, there were a lot of systemic problems in public health, mm-hmm. federal oversight agencies, all of that. But you couldn't really get volumes of people to listen,
0: exactly. to
1: respect, to take action. And even those who knew were afraid to speak up because there was a very planned attack. If you stand up and say anything negative or critical, you get attacked. But I guess the silver lining to COVID has been all of that was brought to the surface by overreach, ridiculous policies not based on science and all of that. And so this revolution, this peaceful revolution of individuals figuring out what they need to do to change the system, to make things better, is happening and it's growing exponentially. And... With that, I'm going to bring on our first hour guest. Her name is Melissa Schreibfeder. Hi, Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, oh, I'm so happy to have you here today. So let me tell lis- listeners and Javier a little bit about you. You are a registered nurse of 10 years, board certified nurse coach and functional medicine practitioner in Franklin, Tennessee. So boy, you're close enough that I can go see you, which is exciting. <laughs> she is the founder and owner of the Faction Fech- Functional Medicine Practice Integrative Nurse Coaching, Director of Clinical Research for Nurse Freedom Network, we'll talk about Nurse Freedom Network this hour, and a medical expert for Truth and Honor Medical Consulting, which I want to get to as well. So, Melissa, thank you. Just your bio alone describes this whole new amazing breed of people in the medical and healthcare industry who saw problems and are stepping up to make change. I'm, I'm just proud to know you.
3: <laughs> yes, and I am happy to be speaking out.
1: Yay. So, um, you know, I like when I do this, I want you to introduce yourself to us and to listeners. Um, tell us about your journey and and what happened that led you to be this activist. What did you see?
3: Well, so I, I actually ended up starting my practice about one month before COVID hit. So, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so prior to COVID, I, I was in the hospitals. I was a, a nursing instructor for a university. And when I started taking on clients with my practice, I, I was very alarmed that for um, my clients that were in the high-risk category that Had COVID and were suffering at home with things like shortness of breath. I was just really taken back that their physicians were telling them, you know, go home do nothing. And then if you can't breathe, then go to the hospital. And, you know, having um, a a background, you know, in the functional medicine, in the holistic health space, I I knew that even just simple things like taking zinc, D, vitamin C are all supportive to the immune system. So um, and, and then even when we look at zinc being a nutrient that's supportive to the immune system, these are old NIH studies. So, And when I had looked into the NIH protocols for COVID, I was just, again, taken back that the protocol literally was to do nothing until you get so severe off, you go to the hospital. And I was just um, very discouraged that so many physicians in our area were just falling following along with this, and and we're not providing any help to these patients. So um, I started looking more and more into this, doing my own research, and then learning about all of the success that so many physicians were having at the time using the hydroxychloroquine and um, zinc protocols. And I became very familiar with the Zelenko protocol, which has been shown to reduce hospitalizations by 85%. Yeah,
1: and while you bring up Dr. Zelenko, I'd like everybody out there, if they can, to say a little prayer for Dr. Zelenko. Um, He's got some health issues going on right now, and he has been such a brave hero and savior to many. So just take a moment in your hearts to send a little prayer that we get to keep him for much longer on this earth, helping uh, lead the way in medical freedom and, and true healing.
0: Okay, go ahead. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, he's absolutely a, a blessing. He's such a blessing to this world. So, um, and, 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 you know, as I started to learn more about this, I actually became um, an advocate for these patients because, um, you know, you know, being, um, I, I am an RN, I um, do not have prescribing authority. So I, I don't have the prescription pad. So I became kind of the, the middleman for, you know, finding out, okay, where can these patients go to get their early... oh.
1: Uh Uh-oh, our connection froze. Hopefully she'll kick us. Oh, you froze for just a second. Now you're back. We're good.
0: Okay.
3: Okay. Hi. Glad I'm back. I became the middleman and, and the advocate. And and really, it's kind of um, the rabbit hole j- just goes deeper. And, and um, I've had um, even patients that were on the phone with me in tears saying mm. that they, they could not breathe, they thought they were going to die, their physician was refusing to treat them. And um, there, there were patients I had um, advocated for that they finally got that prescription for the early treatment, the HCQ or the ivermectin, and then the pharmacies were refusing to fill it. So, um, yes, yes. And, um, and then with, um, with ad, the advocacy just continued to, to extend. So I ended up yeah. um, meeting uh, Kimberly Overton, the founder of the Nurse Freedom Network at, mm-hmm. um, at, at an event here in Franklin. And, and I was doing my own advocacy on the side and educating people in my practice about what was going on. Um, and I had wanted to start a nursing organiza- organization, but I just did not know how to fit that in having my own functional practice and a young child at home. So it was really well suitable for us to, to work together. So mm-hmm. I've been um, responsible for the research arm of Nurse Freedom Network. And I also go out and, and speak at events to you know, really educate and inform people, to help people to get the information and resources that they need to make um, their uh, make proper informed consent for their own medical decisions. Yeah, that is so fantastic. I've got a couple of thoughts. And then Javier, I always have to
1: remind myself, Javier, you jump in if Bernadette always hogs the show. Two things. The very fact that doctors, through the advice being pushed to them through public health, trinkling down from CDC and NIH, never for anything includes vitamin C, D, zinc, you know, COVID. This became this. This we got a, a, an awareness that our government doesn't believe in natural healing, basically. Mm-hmm. But we saw the capture of the pharmaceutical industry when we had this supposedly novel virus. That um, it, it turned out that all of the only thing that really worked were the nutrient protocols and existing on the shelf repurposed drugs, and. It's like people were just shocked and sometimes the advice coming down was even more harmful in that it's not just stay home often it was stay home. And if you don't, if you have aches and pains or a fever, take Tylenol. So crash your glutathione. What? you know, these, nobody who's sick should ever take Tylenol. You know, it's just, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm giving personal, (laughs) um, comment here. We don't give medical or legal advice on the show. I'm, but you know, Bernadette is not a nurse or a doctor. She just plays one in real life, but, but not on the radio only with my friends. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's number one. And number two, Nurse Freedom Network, big event coming up. We're going to mention that a couple of times. So people hear about it, June 11th and 12th. We there's going to be a fundraising dinner for Nurse Freedom Network on the 11th, and it's in Brentwood, Tennessee, which is near Nashville. And then the next day, there's going to be a big rally uh, for patient rights. Right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And um, we also, and and unfortunately, uh, people who have been severely injured from being coerced to take these injections, when they share their stories they get censored and they're not getting support um, from the pharmaceutical companies or not getting support or recognition from the cdc so we are arranging a panel for those who have been vaccine injured Um, we also we have a um, um we have Nikki Hollis, or I'm sorry, I think it might be Nikki Holland. Holland She'll be there. Yes. She is, um, mm-hmm. I believe, she's a physical therapist, and is so severely injured that she is in a wheelchair, had mm-hmm. to have a trach. We also have um, Ernest um, Ramirez, who his uh, son. His teenage son passed away just a few days after receiving the Pfizer vaccine, and it was confirmed myocarditis um, caused by the vaccine. He'll be there speaking as well. And then we also have um, a, a dad. Um, his name is, I'm looking at uh, Scott Shara. His Yeah, um,
1: we had him on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah.
3: Yeah, his, his daughter uh, unfortunately passed away due to medical mismanagement of the COVID protocol. So I think it's yeah. really important to- And um, that's an and understatement. The- medical
1: mm-hmm. mismanagement, when you hear the details, it that is an understatement. She was murdered. I mean, there's no other way to look at the drug she was given would kill anybody. And the doctor himself put in a do not resuscitate without- parental approval it you know I I don't know how else to look at this and nobody else can look at the information I mean it's just that doctor and the nurse you know the nurses involved they should not be practicing medicine they should be behind um, bars that's my opinion yeah you're you're more in this
3: medical official capacity I'm a I'm a radio show host. So
0: yeah, I said what yeah. I think.
1: You
3: know? <laughs> so I, I did. Um, I, I listened to Scott in, in depth for about an hour. He was on, uh, on a podcast that I, I frequently listen to. And so so he had mentioned that they had put, uh, she was full code. They changed it to DNR around the same time that they gave her way too much of the highly um, sedating medication called uh, Presidex, And then when she was... Um, her oxygenation levels were getting lower and she was getting worse and worse. And her um sister was calling for help, you know, please save save my sister. They said that there was nothing that they could do because she was a DNR. And I I, I cannot imagine being a nurse on the floor and saying oh no, nope, the doctor ordered dnr i can't go in there and save your family member so it, it really makes you think um you know the type of you know healthcare professionals that are in these settings and they're allowing these things to happen yeah. are they just blindly following yeah. policy um, do I, they know what's that? Do what they're doing is wrong, and they're completely complicit, or 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 do they just not know any better? I have a very hard time no. believing that they just don't know any better. Well, and and Scott
1: has heard from others who have had similar things happening. It seems as if there is this quiet memo going around um, that it's okay to um, end the life of people who have uh, neurological issues down or, you know, uh, down syndrome or whatever, you know, it just this careless disregard for life. Um, And you can't help but think of the the famous saying, I forget where it comes from exactly. Javier, you may remember, it's like useless eaters. They're considering people, you know, it is.
2: It's an old, old uh, term that Henry Kissinger used widely. Uh, but mm. it's I think came from Kenneth Galbraith, uh, an economist and uh, advisor to u s presidents. But again, it's also traced back to certain European um, uh, nonprofit uh, groups and uh, uh, trusts
1: yeah, just you know euthanasia just it's 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 really um I didn't mean to to go so much deep into that particular um, individual who's going to be speaking at this event, but that just highlights the importance of this messaging getting out there because they're representing just the tip of the iceberg of what's going on. And we need reform in the healthcare industry. Because if people, nurses and doctors are being turned into monsters because they're being told, follow the protocol and you cannot think for yourself or you'll be fired. I mean, this is the state of medicine in America today for a lot of people. I'm not saying that all doctors and nurses are bad or not all doctors or nurses will follow such unethical protocols. But by gun, there's an awful lot of them doing it. Yep. Yeah. yeah
3: it, it, it It's a shame. Yeah. I I've been so, uh, you know, I this past two years, it's like, I've been watching my profession crumble and, mm-hmm. and then just when I think that things can't get any worse, it just continues to get worse. So there absolutely yeah. needs to be change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so this is coming up June eleventh and twelfth. You can go to Nurse Freedom, Freedom Network. I believe it's a .dot com, uh, and <clears throat> but it's Net Nurse Freedom Network. All one word is.
2: Oh,
3: oh. did you lose? There?
2: Be right back. Yeah, I must have pressed the button or something there. But uh, so Nurse Freedom Network. Uh,
3: NurseFreedomNetwork dot org.
2: Dot org. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is basically providing tools for uh, nurses on how to uh, basically defend themselves and assert their rights.
3: Well, well, it's basically to support nurses and to support patients because, um, you you know, uh, the the past past two years with, you know, patients getting coerced into um, not only just the injections, but they're also being coerced into taking emergency use authorized medications that are not evidence-based that have been proven to be harmful, such as remdesivir, which we know um, that even, um, not that I want to reference the WHO as a credible organization, because we know that they're also very captured, but even the WHO recommends against the use of remdesivir in hospitalized COVID patients because it actually increases the mortality. And when we use remdesivir, there's... Oh,
2: sorry, we're, we're having some technical issues here, but we'll get back here in a moment. And there she is. Remdesivir.
1: Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. And then it wouldn't let me keep logging back in. Let me back in. It's okay, it
3: happens.
2: <laughs> but it's it's interesting. So remdesivir uh, also is under an EUA. And yes, it is. what's amazing is I keep on hearing so many stories of doctors not doing not knowing even the most basic things about uh, ensuring that, uh, you know, they can actually uh, increase renal uh, output because remdesivir starts shutting down the kidneys, which then results in water retention, which then causes pneumonias.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and you would think that um, using the protocols that we're currently using in the hospital that the, the and, and when we look at the mortality rates of COVID in developing countries, the U.S. is at the very bottom there. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Bernadette, we were just talking about how even, even the WHO does not does not recommend remdesivir, but that's what we're using in our hospital protocols. And then for <coughs> Medicare patients, there's actually a 20% bonus that the hospital receives mm-hmm. if they use remdesivir and the ventilator. So yeah. the um, mm-hmm. physicians are getting a lot of pressure from the hospital administrators to use the ventilator, to use the remdesivir, but it's not improving patient outcomes outcomes. And, uh, even if we put a patient on, on the ventilator, a COVID patient, um, the um, mortality rate of that is around 85%. And um, from just auditing these uh, medical cases with with truth and honor, what we're seeing is that patients are being put on these ventilators when it is not medically necessary. necessary. And then it's contributing to the death of these patients. So they're very, very sad stories.
1: Yeah, we have known and we've interviewed professionals on this show since spring of 2020 that the type of pneumonia that you get with COVID um, does not respond well to the vent It is the wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my favorites, Dr. Ted Fogarty, <clears throat> the way he described it, that what happens is it's it's as if um, your circulatory system is a freeway and there's a traffic jam. And with Mm -hmm. a vent, you're trying to shove more cars onto the freeway, but there's a traffic jam. So what's going to happen? Well, you're going to start crashing cars and bursting open fences and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and he says, you have to clear the traffic jam or find another way to get oxygen into the individual until you can clear the traffic jam. And so, you know, he's a big proponent for hyperbaric oxygen. Um, but mm-hmm. some of the, the treatment protocols like the vitamin C and some different things do improve the ability to, to get that oxygen in there. But we've
3: known for since spring of 2020, do yes. not vent Don't since vent. since the beginning. Um, and, and it's just, it's so interesting. Cause it's like, we get all of this like new important data. That's really helpful, but then it's just not getting incorporated. And, and then what I'm seeing is, you know, just something as simple as vitamin D. So we know that over mm-hmm. 80% of, um, COVID ICU patients are vitamin D deficient, and yet they still are not giving vitamin D in the hospitals because it's not part of the protocol. And then patients that are already taking vitamin D because they had a known deficiency, <clears throat> they were prescribed it by a physician, when they are admitted as a COVID patient, they take them off of the vitamin D. And oh. I've even had a family members so that I'm, I'm helping to advocate for them and their loved ones are in the hospital and the hospitals will not even let them bring in. Vitamins. Um, you, you can't even get zinc or vitamin C sure. in, in most hospitals.
1: Yeah, it's it's just so wrong. And and bless you because you're part of the change. Whereas as we begin to build a new, better system, a parallel system that everybody could go to, can turn to. We have to be more empowered to treat ourselves. But then we have these trusted medical professionals to go to. And we have to trust entire public health. We need a public health agency that is authorized, empowered to stand up and say, vitamin D, entire world, entire country, I'm telling you, as the lead doctor of this nation, everybody check your vitamin D levels, everybody. Why is it? They feel they can get up and push pharmaceuticals that are only emergency use authorized with no long term clinical trials. But 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 they got to wait for double blind, randomized, placebo controlled trials, which actually do exist for the vitamins for viral infections. But
3: yes, they do. Anyway. But nobody talks about it.
1: <laughs> right. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just topsy turvy. It's been revealed. Um, so there we go. So I'm going to read like something that you wrote to me Um Transforming healthcare through functional medicine. So you can speak about the benefits of functional medicine when it comes to like infectious disease. Um, talk to us about functional. How does functional medicine different differ from other allopathic forms of medicine?
3: Yes. So uh, great question. So functional medicine focuses on the root cause of disease. So um, j- just, to, um, j- just to give you an example. So uh, say if you are really suffering with uh, something like anxiety, and then you go the conventional route there, um, because of confines of insurance and things like that, and the fact that many conventional physicians are not educated on things like nutrition, they would go directly to a pharmaceutical to help with your symptom of anxiety and they would negate the nutritional root cause approaches. Functional medicine with something like anxiety, we understand that anxiety can really just be a symptom of something like magnesium deficiency. So we start to look at like what could be causing it. We also know that if somebody is extremely stressed, they're not sleeping. If they have insomnia, that can cause anxiety and other dysfunction in the body. We also understand the role in in gut health and just overall health and wellness. And the, the entire body is so interconnected.
0: Exactly.
3: Oh, she got a
1: pause. I guess we're having trouble with our connection today. Oh, it's just gonna be back any second. I oh, just yeah. know it. So, <laughs> there she is. Okay, you I, lost I a bit. Yeah, you're back. Stop Stop again. Okay. Uh
3: well that's all right. We're here. Um, Okay. Okay. Hi. Hi. Maybe they don't want me to talk about functional medicine today. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
3: Yeah, we're we're more of a Am I back?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
3: So 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 basically a, a more thorough diagnostic workup and assessment to see what is actually causing your symptoms mm-hmm. and and then we kind of rebuild wellness from there and and when we talk specifically about things like infectious diseases so um you know there's there's certain um when I do labs on somebody you can look at certain patterns of dysfunction to, to give you an example if i see that somebody has a white blood cell count that's kind of lower um, Um, Towards like the low of the reference range, which whenever I do lab reviews, I tell my clients, when you see the word reference range, think really dumb range, because with those ranges, (laughs) we need a more um, narrow range when we're talking about optimal health. But I can see certain patterns of uh, immune dysfunction, if I see certain markers that are like, um, on the low side of the range, or the high side of the range, and for our immune support, um, most people are so nutrient deficient, almost mm. everybody is deficient in D, we're just a lot of us are not out in the sun, we're also not synthesizing D like we used to, because we need things like magnesium to activate vitamin D. And magnesium is also a really common mineral deficiency. So and then also the role that the the gut plays. And we've even seen studies with this in relation to COVID that uh, patients that have significant gut dysbiosis, basically an imbalance of good and bad bacteria have worse outcomes when it comes to COVID. And we know that over 70% of our immune system is right outside of the gut. So what the the foods we put in the body, it matters. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really getting the body Well, again, it's really just a simple matter of taking out what is aggravating the body and giving the body what it needs. And and the body has resiliency and self-healing mechanisms to heal. So we we just have to support it. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the
1: things that I've been fascinated with lately has been um, intermittent fasting and the ability for to heal when you let significant time be between eating. And I think part of the, th- the theory of why this works, I mean, they've got a lot of science to show what happens to the body. After, it's like after 12 hours without food, and then um, the longer you go, um, they show the science of what goes on. The body says, okay, I'm not digesting anymore. And it turns to clean up. It turns to house cleaning. It sends out what it needs to do to go gobble up damaged cells, to go build new cells, to, you know, basically take the trash out. And that's when it will do apoptosis, if I'm saying that correct. That's when it begins to, like, you are right. reverse cancer. Um and heal disease. I mean, I think that's probably why your appetite is is really suppressed when you're sick because your body wants to mm-hmm. go into healing mode. Um, it's really very fascinating. Our bodies are so brilliantly made.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we just respect how they work and give them what they need and then step back, um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And I, I love functional medicine, discovered it years ago, very highly respected. I like um, um, that it can marry two worlds, that it can use diagnostic tools, modern diagnostic tools, but then it will turn to whatever is available to heal and to bring the body back to balance where it needs to be. Yeah.
3: So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And I, I very firmly believe that this is the future of medicine mm-hmm. and, and it's such a thing after working in the conventional world and, and just being so discouraged because every time you see your patients, they're worse. And being on the functional side, it's every time I see you, you're better. And it's just like the most amazing, most reward, rewarding things to see people um, get to the point where they're able to resolve these chronic disease symptoms they've suffered with for years and years and years and, and, and start to feel good again and really enjoy life.
2: That's exactly it. Yeah. Now that, that that functional medicine is uh is just an amazing integration, but it takes years of committed uh, work in order to get it right. And again, yeah. most people like the easy approach. Well, the relatively easy
1: approach. Yeah. Um, it it's hard because a lot of a lot of things in order to really truly heal require a level of personal self-discipline and changing habits that are really hard we're not you know as a society we're not used to being hungry get a little bit of hunger twang you're paying and you you immediately go you know you sit down to watch a tv show well you got to have something to munch on while you do that it's habit it's convenience and it um you know we all want those quick fixes and uh it can be really uh difficult
3: there's this old naturopathic saying that I absolutely love. I remind myself of this all the time and my clients, but it says how many years you were sick. It takes about that many months to recover, which is miraculous that if you can be sick for, you know, 20, 20 years and you can have so much progress and just 20 years time, but but I, I have had clients that came to me. I had, um, one lady who had lupus and could hardly get off of the couch. She was so sick and Mm -hmm. uh, remission of, of symptoms, all symptoms within four months. And and we're all different as far as the speed that we're able to heal. But, Mm -hmm. but I will say, um, you know, being consistent and, and, and making these changes to support your body, so many people will start to feel a difference within that first month. And then when you start to feel the difference, you just need to lean in to any little improvement that you're having and really use that as motivation to keep moving forward. And and I also think um, with with a lot of these, I I see so many autoimmune conditions um, to to where it gets really scary when you're, you know, a a young mom in your thirties and you don't have the energy to keep up with your kids. So I'm just having those like, that internal motivation of, of you know what your goals are and um you know why you want to be healthy can, can be so powerful.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and I kind of hesitate. Bernadette's somebody who usually says where she wants to go, even if it's not appropriate. So I'm bringing, I'm bringing that up because you used the phrase "lean in." Mm -hmm. Um, And that phrase came about just with the past year or two. I've noticed it everywhere. What's up with lean in? Does anybody know where did that come from? Because it wasn't an expression um, that I heard of until recently. Just wondering if there's an origin to it or.
3: Well, where my mind goes is that, you, you know how if you if you focus on the negative, it's like you grow more negative things, you know. Okay. So same thing for, for for positive things. And especially when you know, because making these changes to be healthy, especially when so many people are used to, you know, you have a headache, you pop a Tylenol, which again yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another drug that I do not have in my medicine cabinets anymore. Yeah. Um, but we're conditioned to to like Take a drug, you feel better right away, but then there are long-term ramifications to using those drugs, and they don't really fix anything. You know, they just cover up the symptoms. Yeah. So, um, so, so it's really like you know, changing, changing your mindset. OK, so when you're when you're choosing that one,
1: it's it's because of that aspect of the phrase lean in. It's just, you know, start going in this yeah. direction, get a little closer, get a little bit closer. Yeah, it's all over the place. And mm-hmm. um, so thank you. I'm, I see I squirrel and it's probably not <laughs> appropriate, but I've just been hearing it. And then you hear Biden say it. And so I just don't like it.
3: But mm-hmm.
1: no, I don't like know, anything
3: he says. It,
1: no know but you know a good phrase can be uh ruined by um and i don't i don't want to be um discriminate against a good phrase if it <laughs> yes
3: yeah if it can be used well it's okay
1: it used well yeah okay i'm done squirreling there um so yeah functional medicine way of the future you know it's it's pretty cool um but there is a lot of pushback um there's systemic there's corporate there is you know, if I think if you go look it up, I think Wikipedia kind of tears it apart. Um, I was going to mention
3: that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, They call naturopathy um, a pseudoscience, Mm -hmm. you know, that basically crazy people use. And I think they do something similar with functional medicine. It's really interesting that those things that threaten the profits of the pharmaceutical industry just get Mm -hmm. so absolutely Mm -hmm. trashed. But we're, you know, hoping that um, COVID has created an awareness that everything they're seeing and reading is potentially an advertisement or propaganda or cultural Mm -hmm. skewing toward you know for a purpose um not that we don't do that too right of course we feel like we're standing in the side of truth and justice in the american way and um we are (laughs) Uh, But we got nothing to sell, right? I'm not selling Mm -hmm. anything. You're not selling anything. You know, most of us on this side of the health story, we gave things up. We gave up family sometimes, friends sometimes in order to stand firm in what we believe to be true. Individuals have given up careers um, and sacrificed their reputation. It's, uh, you know... You don't do this lightly, you don't no. stand against the mainstream lightly,
3: yeah, and, and whenever you go against the grain with anything, you're always going to meet resistance, you know mm-hmm. but but also just like standing firm and in what you're doing, you know, and I think that one of the most important things is is like when you're going to bed at night and it's just you and God that you know <laughs> that you are doing the right thing,
0: exactly,
3: yeah.
2: In terms of the, the the work that you and your organization have been doing, uh, have there been any uh, notable successes that uh, you know you, you like to talk about with uh, with the work that you do?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, now I am involved with like three different organizations. So are you talking about one in particular or just just in general? Any of them. I mean,
2: good. Any <laughs> yeah, good
3: yeah. Um, so so I, I will say um, so. So with um, with Nurse Freedom Network, when we uh, were dealing with all of those God awful mandates for healthcare workers last wow. fall, so we actually um, fundraised um, we raised money for these families that lost their jobs due to, to the mandates, and we were a- able to give each family, I think, over $1,000 each, which was just like so, so amazing. Pe- people were so absolutely gracious. And then also with the legislation that we have had passed in Tennessee, which I know, um, Bernadette, you, you mentioned that you you actually wrote the bill for the, was it the Natural Immunity I I did not write the bill for the natural immunity, but I went
1: with a couple other. What we were moms on a mission first day of session, and we brought two examples of natural immunity bills. One was at the a federal bill Mm -hmm. from Diana Harshbarger, and then one was actually a great bill in Washington State, which of course died in committee, and Mm -hmm. just said we want a bill in Tennessee, and we we found sponsors, and then they drafted what became um, the bill, um, which did pass into
3: law. Yes. Yes. Yay. Well, thank you for all of all of your hard work. But when we and when we had um, Dr. Uh, Pierre Corey, Dr. Ryan Cole, Dr. Urso, when we had all of these amazing you know, COVID frontline heroes here that were yeah. actually testifying at these committees. So Nurse Freedom Network, we helped with the fundraising and the organization to help get these brilliant physicians here. Yeah. Um, and, and oh my gosh, their their testimony was just it, it was just priceless. So yes. um, so so those those have been huge wins, and and then also just you know educating the, educating the public. So we'll go and we'll speak at events. And, um, it's been, um, with both, um, Kimberly and I, it's been very close to our hearts, um, with these vaccines being approved for children. So, um, we have um, on the on the Nurse Freedom Network website like q and A, a Q&A that is basically designed for parents to take to the pediatrician's office, and it has basically questions with the correct answer and the sources. Um, but that's provided um, for for parents as as a resource. Um, I, I remember um, I, I was very alarmed. Um, this past year has been the year of me just firing several physicians. But when I took my little boy to the doctor, and I said, just very politely, so I just wanted to, you know, was curious about what your stance was on the COVID vaccinations for kids. And they said that they were recommending them. And I asked them, I um, said, are you aware about all of these injuries that are occurring? Are you aware about early treatment? I got a deer in the headlights look. And then they told me, they said, well, we would never recommend anything that wasn't FDA approved and finished in clinical trials, and oh none. Those statements are incorrect. So I was like, okay, we need to educate the parents because we have a lot of well-meaning parents that want to do the best thing for their kids, but they are being misinformed by their pediatricians who are mm-hmm. not doing their own research and and they're basically just reading and watching the uh, mainstream news and mm-hmm. you know blindly following the CDC and FDA, and it's you know it, it's no secret. That these agencies are captured, um, so 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 it's really been. Um, and, and and as nurses, like we play such a large role, and the whole ad, um, the whole advocacy and education realm. So that that's where we've really been shining and just being a resource to you know parents, family members, and um, you know just anybody that's in need of of this type of um, you know this type of service. Really,
1: yeah, it it really is just so your heart just sinks when you realize you meet somebody who got the shot, who knew nothing because somehow, you know, even though we feel like all this information's out there, it didn't penetrate the bubble that they were in the media, bubble, the the social Mm -hmm. buddy bubble, it didn't get to them. And they earnestly thought, they earnestly believed what they were told. And it's just, it is just heartbreaking. So tell us about your other organization, Truth and Honor Medical Consulting. What is that all about?
3: Yes. So this is a new organization. I actually started with them um, just this past January. So, um, but when we talk about the um, medical, basically just medical mismanagement and neglect uh, that are happening in the hospitals. So we have... um, Several, it's basically for family members to where their loved one um, may have passed away or may have suffered injury in the hospital. And then they have all of these medical records. And um, if they want to have a, a trained team to basically audit the medical chart and put together a summary of, you know, things that um, we believe were um, malpractice, neglect, um, poor standard of care and and whatnot. And and then we also offer services for like pastoral services or, you know, grief counseling and things like that to further help support the family members. So um, basically after we um, put this review together, then the family members, um, if, if they, would like to try to pursue um, some type of legal action um, then they can attempt that as well um, which again that's kind of a gray area because there has been quite a bit of um, liability protection um, with with the hospitals but but there it, there is some hope there and mm-hmm. and we really try to get the message out that you know if, if your loved one is, is in the hospital, and you just intuitively you feel like something is not right. Um, we we still know in the state of Tennessee that for people who test positive for COVID, they can no longer have an advocate with them. So then they're alone in the hospital by themselves. But we really try to get the message out that you know um, y- you you do have rights, and um, it, if something doesn't feel right, you you can you can ask questions you can request to transfer care and and then there are you know advocacy services out there that can help you
1: yeah Melissa did um a couple of things did any of the there were a couple of bills that were trying to say that a patient always was entitled to an advocate in the room I didn't follow all the ways all the way through do you know if any of them passed this session in Tennessee
3: I would have to double check on that, but I, I don't believe so. Um, okay. I, I know that we had a, a really amazing patient rights bill and yeah. the committee members would not even hear it.
1: Yeah, there mm-hmm. there was a lot of unfortunate mistakes leading up to that one, but I know that there were um, individual bits, um, that would have been in the bigger bill that did progress. So maybe next week, um, we'll update on that. I know one bill that did pass and it said that you can't discriminate against a organ donor or recipient based on their COVID-19 vaccine status. So I'm so pleased that that one made it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's exciting. Now, does, um, does your truth and honor medical consulting group only work in the state of Tennessee? So we see, um, we do cases nationwide. Okay. Fantastic. Nationwide then. And the website is, uh, truth is, do we spell out honor truth and honor yeah, truth and honor t uh, n dot um, Okay. Truth and honor tn.com So people can check that out. Um, do you, um, Melissa, do you know, uh, joy Fritz?
0: In I do not know joy.
1: But you've heard of her? Can you say that? Yeah, I I think I've heard of the name. I need to introduce you to, because she is working on, um, has a nonprofit that um, the Factual Reporting Advocacy Network, and what they are going to attempt to do is for individuals who believe that their their loved one's death certificate does not reflect the truth, does not Mm -hmm. have the real cause of death, Mm -hmm. that they will work with them to try to get a correct death certificate because all of medicine and all of these policies rely upon accurate reporting. And if we don't have accurate, and and this was a problem. This was Joy's corner of the world um, prior to COVID. She saw habitually um, death certificates that were inaccurate. And then it just got worse with COVID, but it's been a systemic problem a long time. One of the main problems is that if you are to check any box that a pharmaceutical in any way led to the death or was part of the death, then it leads to an investigation. And a lot of doctors just don't want to go through the hassle Mm -hmm. of all of that. So just put heart attack, natural causes, even if they know um, that there were maybe some prescribed drugs. That um, if it were not for them, they may not have succumbed to whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, but they just don't want to go there. Um, So we need better reporting. We need better death certificate law so that there has to be factual reporting. So I feel like what she's doing and what you're doing, they're a perfect match. So we got to hook you guys up. Yes, I would love to connect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so great. We talked about Truth and Honor Medical Consulting the nurse freedom network and the two events coming up go to nursefreedomnetwork.com and you can or is it .org i'm sorry .org le- .org thank you and learn more about that we learned about the importance of um, functional medicine to heal and we we have a see about five more minutes so is there something that's really on your heart that you want to talk about that we haven't covered yet that you think it's important for people to to know.
3: Um yes, I I just I I can't I can never stress enough just Do your own research and, um, please stop using Google. There is so much information that Google censors from us. So, um, set your uh, search engine to duck, duck, go. And again, Mm -hmm. just, just go with that gut feeling, you know? And, and, I think it's, so many of us are so conditioned that, you know, when the physician says our our child desperately needs, um, this medication or, or this shot, um, we're, we're so conditioned to listen to the doctor, follow the doctor's orders, but, um, you know, medical professionals can be wrong. And a lot of times medical professionals are um, o- overworked and, and burnt out. And um, a physician in the conventional medical model can be seeing, you know, 30 patients per day. So when they finish their day, they're tired, they don't want to go home and, and, and do research. So um, I, th- I think a lot of us, um, especially as, as parents, you know, we just have, especially the moms, you know, we, we just have that intuitive feeling that something is not right. So if you're having that feeling, again, <laughs> I'm gonna use the term again, lean into it. Okay. And um and and then some um some some resources that I did want to share. Um, so when we're talking about um early treatment for COVID and things like that, there's an amazing website. It's called um, C19 early no c19study.com that -hmm. that's a great resource to go to um and and then also just you know when we talk about functional medicine um i i do have um i'm not kicked off of facebook yet but i do have a facebook group it's called holistic health and nutrition so i post a lot of like recipes resources stuff studies and and a lot of support on just how to keep how how to get your body healthy again because I think that that's um, the best thing that we can do moving forward is to support our bodies so that we don't fall prey to you know disease viral infections or whatever that way we can best keep ourselves out of the hospital and um, you know be well supported at home with tools to naturally support our bodies
1: yeah so and i i would phrase it as so we don't fall prey to disease and we don't fall prey to the medical industry (laughs) because you know that seems to be doing most of the harm in my book there we go Mm -hmm. um and i do love brave doctors and nurses doing the right thing it's not that i'm completely against western medicine but by gum um yeah, we we need protection at this point against them. So we're gonna have you back on. I, you know, you've got your wealth of information today was an introduction of who you are and what you're doing and your connections to the audience. But um, you know, I want to we've been focused so much, of course, on COVID. And I want this to be an uplifting program. So more and more, let's just empower people how to let go of fear. Last week, we interviewed somebody who had done a documentary docu-series on intuition, you know, trusting yourself. You just mentioned intuition. Yay. So we've got that. um, You've got to love a a functional uh, medicine person who also honors intuition. That's so exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Javier, any last words? For our guest?
2: Uh none. Uh I just hope that uh, you know, uh we didn't need organizations like the ones that you're working with, but the reality is that, you know, it's uh we have to advocate uh against uh, the experts sometimes.
1: Yeah, and your cat yeah. agrees. Yes.
2: yes. Unfortunately <laughs> he agree a lot. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, um so again, uh check out if you can come to Nashville and they also uh need some donations. The Nurse Freedom Network, they're doing great work. They're trying to help nurses who want to do the right thing to advocate for their patients. They're bringing that all together. So nursefreedomnetwork.org, check it out. Um and I guess that's about all. Oh, one other thing. Do I have one more minute, Nathan? You're going to play the music off? I, I do want to remind people that IPAC-EDU.org um, has some classes that are coming up soon. And one of the classes I'm actually going to be um, have the honor of teaching with Dr. James Linesweiler on, and it's about medical ethics. It's Medical Ethics, Informed Consent, and Human Rights. It's going to begin on June 15th. And it lasts for fourteen weeks. The classes are um, about they're going to be at eleven a.m. in the morning. But if you can't make that time, they're all recorded, so you can join at any time. It's going to be this great discussion format. And I tell you, if you've ever read some of the amazing documents over history about medical freedom and, and humanity, humane protections. Um, but you haven't read them recently, looking at them again, through the experience of the past two years, it's sort of mind blowing to to do that again. And this isn't a course where we're gonna tell you how to interpret the documents. We're gonna have a discussion with all the people who enroll so that everybody discovers for themselves the importance of these documents and what they mean to them here and now so that's ipac-edu.org so check out the classes there and uh and enroll and then we can spend some time together this summer so melissa schreibfeder thank you so much for joining us on inform life radio on 11:50 am KKNW and chd tv we're going to take a few minute break and when we come back we've got misty flowers stay tuned thank you for having me
4: honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com.
1: During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more,
2: Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from three to five p.m. to an Informed Life Radio, and visit the website Informed wa.org It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today.
0: We need a revolution. There's only one solution. Hey,
1: welcome back to An Informed Live Radio on 1150 AM, KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, here with Javier Figueroa. Dr. X is in the house somewhere. He'll be coming back to join us. Um, and in this next hour, I'm really excited to bring on uh, somebody I've known for a few years now. Her name is Misty Flowers. She lives up in Bellingham, Washington. There she is. Hey, Misty. <laughs> Hey, Um, and, you know, she, I'm just going to read my bullet points of who you are. Oh, it rattled a little bit. There we go. She's a human rights and civil rights advocate, a wellness educator and coach, a music performer, beautiful music performer. I should have told you to bring your guitar. Um, Heart and soul of Be Brave Bellingham, and she recently presented a proposal for a local vaccine injury tracking system to our county officials. And we're going to be getting to that because I want to hear how that went. Um, But welcome to an informed life radio, Misty. Um, And so you and I have kind of been on this medical freedom informed consent journey for a while right about when did you begin to become active first maybe when did you first become aware that there was sort of this problem with informed consent in the realm of vaccination
5: well my journey can you hear me okay
1: i can it keeps uh, it'll rattle a little bit when you move so try not to okay. move
5: <laughs> um my journey with with informed consent really started years ago when my first child was vaccine injured and as i started to learn more in my quest to um, know my own rights and protect my children um, i started to see there were some real discrepancies with informed consent but i really didn't get into the fight for advocacy until 2016 when the measles when the MMR was being pushed from Merck through the Washington state legislation and they were trying to remove our um, personal exemption for that that mm-hmm. was really when I started to get more involved um, in the legislative side and in the advocacy side because I realized it wasn't enough to protect my own children and to know my right I realized that there was a huge push to remove my rights.
1: so I had to get involved That, you know, that 2015, 16, 17, there was a real growth of awareness that our rights were being um, threatened, our right to say no to a medical intervention. And a whole lot of people started becoming active. I actually, that's about when I became active as well. I was like you, I was aware of a lot of things, but it wasn't until Vax came out and I met up with all of these um, individuals that i kind of stepped in and once you step in and and volunteer there you are <laughs> you're kind of there for life um and the more you learn the more you know the more angry you get and the mm-hmm. more you have to channel that into something productive or it eats you up right Absolutely. And, and one of the things i must say misty and it's really reflected in your music those of us, you know, and there's there's amazing individuals who've been on this journey for decades. You know, they saw their children injured decades ago, um, and but we all come at it from a place of peace and love and grace. Always, this movement has always been about that. It seems as if we um, we get. Uh, labeled in attempts to make us seem as if we're some dangerous threat. And we're absolutely not. We're just individuals, mostly parents who want to mm-hmm. protect our children and who see injustice and see the bribery, um, you know, and it's, it's, um, I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here a little bit, but kind of setting the stage that in fact, there there's a video I want to share real quick here um, with you guys. Let me get my mouse back. To kind of show, and um, Javier, you're you're new to the movement through with COVID, right? So, but there's a video that you probably have not seen. Let me go ahead and share this with you. Um, I believe it's going to be 2016. Here we go. Let me know if you can hear. I'm going to make it big. How do I make it big? This one? Yay. Okay. So can you guys see that? Our children are being sold to the pharmaceutical industry by Dell Bigtree. And this was in 2016. So Larry Cook, who I've had on the show several times, has this up on its Rumble page. Of course, YouTube won't show it anymore. But this um, this is from them. This is about nine minutes. I'm going to start it in a little bit in the beginning, and then I'm going to zip to the end. Um, and you'll understand why I'm kind of segueing here.
6: You know, there's a lot of heroes standing here today, and there's a reason why we made the movie we made, because we have a crisis. Our children are being destroyed, families ruined across this country and across the world, and I want to honor those heroes that get up every morning and face one of the most challenging experiences you can imagine, a vaccine-injured child. And they smile and they take care of that child and beyond that they've continued to warn us to shout out from the mountaintops to those of us with healthy children look out be careful this can happen to you so i was wondering can everybody that has a vaccine injured family member just hold up your hands and stand up and can everybody else just sort of lower down for a moment and look around you i want to honor you you are the reason we are here and on behalf of the medical community, on behalf of journalism, I want to apologize to you personally for not listening. And I want you to know that now you have been heard. And our mission with Vaxxed and this movement is to make sure that the entire world knows your story, knows your truth. Thank you for being heroes, and thank you for being here today. Vaxxed is a very simple story that our movie covers, and okay. I want you to think it, about it It's what a great it clip, but
1: I'm going to go ahead and, and zip ahead to, let's see, is it going to zip for me?
6: There go. Especially for you journalists that stand up and fight when you see someone on death row and a new witness steps forward or new forensic evidence becomes available we all stand up and say this trial must begin again we must reopen this story and save this innocent victim that's about to die where are you now? When we have a new witness in Dr. William Thompson, brand new forensic evidence 10,000 documents proving that the CDC has lied to the American people and the entire world. Where are you? fighting for truth where are you asking the questions join us now at the end of our anthem land of the free home of the brave journalism journalists stand up be brave be brave all of you doctors that know the truth, you're seeing these children injured. You tell me off of camera, I know vaccines are causing autism, but I won't say it in front of the camera. Be brave. Stand up. Now is the time for every actor here in Hollywood not vaccinating your child, hiding, being quiet, worried about your career. Stand up. Be brave. Be brave, America. Fight.
1: Be brave, America. Oh, hold on, let me stop, Sherry. There we go. Um, so, it, it chills every time I watch that. This was 2016. Is that what the year I said? The this is what we knew, Javier. This is what you did not know was going on. You know, no idea that children were being harmed. That um, they were, you know, the rights were being eroded. That people knew. And we're silent because of fear of retribution. Um, And so our wonderful Misty Flowers, though, did not sit silent. You know, you learned, you watched, and you found it. What? Be Brave. Uh, Be Brave Bellingham is what it started uh, right off of Inspired uh, by that Dell Big Tree. And now it's Be Brave Washington. Um, BeBraveWashington.com. So tell us um a, a little bit about Be Brave Washington and, and what you're doing. Um so Be Brave Washington
5: definitely started during COVID. It, Be Brave Bellingham was focused on vaccine advocacy. Be Brave Washington t- transformed to a group of us trying to figure out how to restore liberty in our own county and through that hopefully inspiring other counties to get involved. Mm -hmm. We recognized that there was no way on a national level that we were gonna get anybody to read the law on mask exemptions, but locally we could hold these people accountable. So we started out as a small group trying to kind of keep our sanity and figure out how to start moving forward. And then we've transformed into a very large group that is very dedicated to engaging with our local officials, our council members, our health department, um, our executive, our sheriff's office, Having the hard conversations about what the law is versus what these overbearing restrictions have been, and creating an atmosphere where we can bring them information, create a public record through their um, recording of the council meetings. At the same time, as we create that public record, we can bring forward lawsuits, hopefully, to basically force them to acknowledge that they knew this whole
1: time that they were causing more problems than, mm-hmm. than they were helping. That's fantastic. And, and getting that in the public record is so important. Um, you know, we've done some of that in Formed Choice Washington at the state level just through public comment. Javier, you have done some beautiful letters that you allowed us to publish as open letters to the University of Washington. Um, you know, someday when there is what would be the right word, there is an accounting um, and of what happened, they cannot say they did not know. They knew because we told them over and over and over again. Um, And and now that it is becoming um, okay to say publicly, oh gosh, the shots don't prevent infection or transmission, Um, right, and oh gosh, they might cause myocarditis, not even they might, they do cause myocarditis and pericarditis you know, in some individuals, I have a feeling it causes it in all of them, but that's, it's, it's very concerning, you know, cause we, we just don't know they're not doing the studies. So, um, yeah. So I'm doing that public record. One, one of the things I've always loved about your work, but well, you do pull in the community and you're, you're really good about keeping that communication open with people who join you. So you, you send out regular newsletters. I'm kind of showing, um, want to help listeners and viewers to see what works, you know, what you do. And, you know, even when you're not maybe getting some policy overturned, you have empowered individuals to know their voice, to not feel alone, and to realize that if they want change, they have to make change happen you have done that you've just empowered that whole community up there it's been it's very exciting um and the other thing misty um name again for us the different entities that you regularly engage with because a lot of people know to go to their commissioner's office to go to county commissioner meetings um and their local board of health meetings They've learned through COVID, you better show up at the school board meetings. Where else do you go? Because you go places other people don't think to go.
5: Yeah, so our main focus is our county council because of the fact that we have found allies within that. We started with the city council, the county council, our county executive, which is also the commissioner. We have engaged with the sheriff's office and the health department we tend to engage the most with our county council because they have allowed public comment throughout the pandemic via online where our city council actually has that shut down we can't even engage with them at all are they
1: are they violating um open meetings acts things they,
5: we believe they absolutely are. They have found some laws or some some sort of ways of weaseling around that. We are trying to hold them accountable to that right now. Um, and the, the inconsistencies of that are that on one hand, they'll tell us that the chambers aren't safe because of COVID. In the very next sentence, they will brag about how our town is going to be packed full of people next weekend because the ski sea parade is coming. So these people are totally hypocritical they're recording themselves being hypocritical and what I do with my group is I stay very informed in what they're talking about and then I bring it to the public's attention what they're talking about so that the public can engage them in conversations that um, that are accurate and hopefully can bear some fruit and also that to remind them that they swore an oath to protect our individual rights and that's what what their job is
1: what do you make of where does this come from, this division between elected officials and the public? They, they were elected to serve, and yet it seems like what happens is once they get physically in those seats, there's like this, it's like they're super glue, mm-hmm. <laughs> keeping them, towing the line of some narrative that comes f- from above. You know, comes from these higher authorities that they point to, and they stop listening to the people they're supposed to be representing. It happens systemically throughout the United States. I don't know how we change that, but we need to change that. Um, there has to be more engagement, more um, responsiveness, and the ability for us to have that voice with what they're doing. I don't know how we're going to do it, but. Yeah. well my, my hope is is through educating the public that you get the public to hold
5: these people accountable mm-hmm. uh, from what I'm seeing that's the only way to get them to go back to doing their job because they make a million excuses and until the people are educated enough to demand that they be properly represented mm-hmm. we're gonna have the same old um, excuses as I'm just doing as I'm told And that was something I really uh, was reminded of yesterday during my meeting with
1: the health department. So let's go there. Let's talk about this very important meeting that you had. Congratulations on getting the meeting, on pursuing this topic. So tell us the topic and, and start at the beginning on this project that you've got. Sure. So one of the things that we have been trying to do with our group is
5: to start a local vaccine reaction tracking system in our county and the reason why is we have people coming to our group very regularly who have always believed in the vaccine program and now they're having injuries from the covid shot and they have nowhere to turn their doctors are denying it the health department's ignoring it so they come to us to find out how can i get help how do i fill out an exemption form Um, things like that and to tell their story and we make space so we decided that we wanted to really put pressure on our health department to start the local tracking partially because at the national level we know how inconsistent that system is it's totally failed we know less than one percent is being reported and so we presented it to the health department that they would have more control over accurate reporting by having it local um, they would be able to identify true cases of vaccine injury so they could actually talk to the person, they could get their medical records much easier. Um, and then I also tried to present to them, which you know where I stand on this, but what I tried to present to them to encourage them to want to start a local system was I said, this COVID injection was rolled out in such a way with such carelessness and, and lack of safety overs- oversight That it's destroying the vaccine program across the board it is making people who believed in the vaccine program or trusted it to now be skeptical about every vaccine on the market and which we
1: should but still
5: which i appreciate you know i i absolutely appreciate but to get them to maybe want to take on this this idea i was trying to share with them that their lack of safety oversight is giving the public the impression that there is no safe and effective vaccine. And until they're willing to identify document, identify that there are some maybe rare vaccine reactions and be transparent about it, that the public is becoming more and more skeptical across right. the board about every vaccine.
1: Right. Yeah. It, so good for you. I mean, and it, it's, it's very true. And if they want if they want trust in public health, Misty, they have to let go of really supporting the vaccine industry as their marketing arm. We mm-hmm. need, if they want trust in public health, public health has to start serving us. Definitely. They have to start telling the truth about shots, and they have to be an ally on our side with real informed consent real risk benefit information and you know i'll i'll give like an aside and my listeners have heard me talk about this before we let's like look at the the dtap shot dip, diphtheria tetanus and pertussis the pertussis vaccine that is given today does not prevent infection colonization or transmission it may, if it matches the circulating strain, suppress symptoms upon exposure for maybe 18 months, in which case then it wanes quite rapidly. And there have, I mean, children have been getting six doses of this shot by the sixth grade. It was also learned under a famous study by somebody named Cherry that if if a child's first exposure to pertussis, which is whooping cough, is through this shot, it permanently skews their immune system to never mount a proper immune response meaning they will be susceptible to pertussis for the rest of their lives and this study shows the author concludes we don't know what to do about it other than continuing to give this shot which has risks and we've got hyperimmunization to tetanus antiphospholipid syndrome blah, blah, blah it goes on and on and on so you know true informed consent, a parent would be given all the information about the product they're about to get, not this religion of vaccine, but the product they're about to get, what it can do, what it can't do. They'd learn everything about whooping cough, what the treatments are, what are are the risks, right? Because a parent has to decide, do I want to make my child susceptible to whooping cough the rest of their lives? Or, uh, you know, or and continue to make them have to be customers of this product for the rest of their lives with all of the risks involved? Um, or do I want to go the natural route and find out how to best protect them naturally from catching it? And if they catch it, how would I treat it? And what medical professional might I turn to to guide me through? Because whooping cough can be very scary um, for a parent to deal with um, for a child. So anyway, that's that's fully informed consent if public health wants our trust they have to give something i just tipped a, a tip of the iceberg of what a parent needs to know to make an informed decision that's what they need to be telling us right but they have evolved to be um, somebody who minimizes risks on everything and so trust is gone public health i believe covid has ruined trust so much that if public health hopes to ever have our trust they have to be removed from anything to do with vaccines period period you know they cannot be trusted they pushed these shots Watching at the state level, Javier, you remember some of those early vaccine um, advisory committee meetings at the Washington State Department of Health, where they're sort of laughing about it. And somebody says, well, a question was, you know, what about pregnant women? And they're like, well, they don't really know. They didn't really include pregnant women in the clinical trials. But, you know, if you do get it, you should probably report anything to the, you know, the vaccine manufacturer and to VAERS. They didn't say oh my goodness, do not get that. You know We don't know what an mRNA spike protein you know, factory is going to do in your fetus. Hello. Um, so this, this whole systemic level, and then they just went on to market, market, market. Oh, and they also, one of the individuals at that same meeting, and this is December of 2020, right at rollout and an individual, um, on that committee said, you know, I've been getting an awful lot of calls about people who already had COVID who then got the shot and had a really severe, like grade three reaction. Um, and so I called the CDC to see if they're tracking the reactions of people who already had COVID. And they said, no, we're not specifically tracking that. And this guy goes, I was, you know, I was kind of surprised. I thought they might want to do that. And that was it. That was it you know, so no, let's not tell the public, you know, if you've already had COVID, you might, you know, cons-
2: This they is pre- such a failure. Yeah. This is, go ahead. Sorry. Ms. I go was ahead. just
1: going to say
5: that as we, as we saw Bernadette previously, when you, when informed choice presented to the Washington state department of health, the issues with the pertussis vaccine, they acknowledged it might even increase your risk of pertussis. And yet they decided to keep it on the schedule it's things like that decisions like that that totally have eroded public trust of the health department and when i present that to the health department if they're unwilling to acknowledge that and unwilling to create any safety oversight good riddance to them at this point i i i said to them i would love for people to trust you again for the public health measures so they're not coming to me for exemption forms yeah they should be coming to you yeah and um So it's, it's their job and they're not doing it, you know? Yeah.
1: So you got this meeting. The meeting was yesterday. Could, can you tell us who was at the meeting and, and how it unfolded? Sure. So the meeting, um,
5: included me, my, um, County council, um, um, legislator and two health departments, um, the health director for the health department, her name's uh, Erica Lottenbach. I believe she's tied to the Gates foundation. Um, the other one is Dr. Um, Greg Thompson, and I can't remember his, his actual title, but he is very involved in the decisions with the county, especially around COVID. Right. And this is Whatcom so, County? Yes, Whatcom County. Okay, And they have avoided any conversation with the public, and so I was very, I was happy to see they were willing to meet with me. They know kind of what I'm up to. Um, but the things that I took away from that were they have no interest in doing a local tracking system, their excuses. And they're very much excuses are that they, the data would be so small to correlate anything. And I said, we're not asking you to correlate anything. We're asking you to properly track reactions and it would be behoove you to do so locally so that you could weed out any inaccurate reports. Um, and they acknowledge that vaccine reactions, the health director, Erica Lautenbach, said directly to me, she acknowledges vaccine reactions do happen. Some of them are severe enough to be life altering. Of course. But then they go on to say how this, this, prog- this um, local tracking system would be irrelevant because we already have a national one. And the data that would be brought in, what would it be good for? What would the public Hello, the do control. with that data?
0: Hello, yeah. control, for
5: God's sakes. And <laughs> then the third, the third argument that they had that I that was very mind blowing to me, which we've all heard before, but um, that that they, the correlation doesn't equal causation. So if someone has a vaccine injury and they report a reaction that, that's not, it's they don't have a way of proving that it was the vaccine but then they went on to tell me a few minutes later when i was asking them so i said so you're saying if 10 people from walgreens all have a major reaction after their injection in a short period of time you have no authority to pull that lot and i used the term hot lot to show them i knew what they're doing and not doing and they said well we we don't really have authority but then they went on to tell me that when there is a food poisoning outbreak say it's jack-in-the-box and they have um confirmed cases either through the health department or if people just call and say i was sick the first thing they do is they call every single person and they say what um where did you eat and they immediately will correlate it to say jack-in-the-box if all of those people ate at jack-in-the-box yeah Yeah. so to say they can't correlate it on vaccines but they'll turn around and correlate it to Food poisoning, car accidents, whatever is just. Yeah.
2: It's an excuse. And they're basically, they've been told do not try to correlate anything with the rollout of any of these vaccines or else. And again, okay. this is cowardly and also a complete surrendering of the responsibility that they've assumed by taking that position. And it's absolutely professional misconduct. They should have their licenses pulled if they have an MD. Or, or an RN and they're doing this. It's unconscionable.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, you, you weren't asking them to correlate anything. You were asking them to gather the data, good data, accurate data, so and to that- be transparent uh, with it. Transparent, they, they, yeah. They told
5: me that if they were to collect it, they would never show the public. Oh, come on. Oh,
1: <laughs> they couldn't do that. That's, that's absurd. They so we've already
5: created the system. I said we're we're going to keep it available to the public. We've already built it because I know you guys don't have the time or money, you know, to put into this. So we've built it. I said. So the public wants the data. We're going to collect the data.
1: What did they do with the millions that of COVID dollars that they've been sent for the past two years? Did they spend every darn penny pushing the shots? They're, or they're actually not even able to show us right now.
5: My council member has asked for that data. We right now in our county have a COVID review going on that should be available by July where they are looking at the COVID protocols that they implemented and tracking to see, was it helpful? Did it improve the, you know, did it improve the death numbers or not? And then where the financial side of it went and the health department scrambling to try to come up with the numbers because they, they appear to not have been really tracking any of it.
1: Oh, good heavens. Yeah. So I'll send you that when we get that review.
5: Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I, so So they basically said, no, we're not going to do it. You said we will do it independently. And um, so if individuals want to begin providing data to the system that you created, do they go to BeBraveWashington.com? We're still trying to figure out where to put it because
5: we were trying to get the health department to take it on so that they could put it behind a firewall and protect the data. Um, it's a lot harder for us to do that on our end. Um, we have, our web website is built by just local grassroots folks just helping us out. Um, so we're still trying to figure out where to put it. It will be very much local to Whatcom County because we want to track it on our county. Yeah. So we're hoping to inspire other counties to do it, but it will be very specific to our County.
1: Right. Yeah that's where the information needs to happen. And, you know, I think often the problem with things like vaccine, although with COVID seems like everybody knows somebody in their lives that's injured is a lot of times it seems distant. It's something, somebody else far away, it happened to them. And humans are really good about not being emotionally impacted or moved to action by something they don't think will touch them. Again, COVID seems to have changed all that because these shots are so horrific. But when you hear about somebody that you met, that you knew, that cut your hair, that checked out your groceries, that, you know, that was your priest, that, you know, was your nurse, that whatever, and you hear from people you know, and you know that the injury really was by the shot, it makes it real. So that local information keeps us from that awful compartmentalizing and making
0: yep.
1: making it distant, you know. Um one of the um sort of comparisons I kind of give is it used to be with the with the pediatric vaccines that there may be I don't even I don't even know the number because it's not properly tracked, but let's say a thousand severe injuries or deaths due to pediatric vaccines. Um let's say, I don't know, in a, in a day or a week or something, but it's happening quietly behind closed doors and nobody sees it. They don't know those numbers. Um, and one of the industries that has the absolute best safety record in federal oversight is the airline industry. Because when a plane falls out of the sky and kills a thousand people, that's visible. That's headline news, and you can't hide it. And everybody knows about it. You can't bury it, and it makes everybody afraid. And they're not going to—they're not going to fly anymore if you aren't safe. That's so. Flying is one of the safest ways to travel. It's probably safer than walking sometimes. But <laughs> right now, we've got pilots that have been vaccinated. But that's a whole other thing. I don't want to scare people on Memorial Day weekend as they're about to go up. Um, although it's very real, I, you know. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I digress. But, it, but what happened with COVID, with the COVID shots, right now, we're not maybe seeing jumbo jets come down unless you're stepping back and look at the, the big picture like a lot of us are. But a lot of people in their own community, it's like small planes are crashing around them. They're seeing it. And it doesn't matter what their health department says. They saw it. It was people they know and loved. Yep. And they can't hide that. Yeah. Well,
5: and we have local. We actually have local legislators uh, and and officials that are having reactions that are undeniable. So it's yeah. only a matter of time before it's themselves. We we have a, a police officer that was injured. So mm-hmm. I
1: mean, yeah, yeah. It's just too for what for what did they trade their health for? At very best, a couple of weeks, couple of months of increased. Particular types of antibodies, and okay. then they plummet down to negative efficacy, to increase vulnerability, and and potentially having skewed their immune system so that they never have a proper reaction to SARS-CoV-2 and its derivatives, right? So for what? It's really tragic, and this must never happen again. We can't let it happen with the darn monkey pox they're talking about now, which is so absurd. All the money's already being spent for this whole thing. And I, the high wire this week was really good where he was showing the beginnings of COVID and showing the beginnings of monkeypox. And I can't believe they're trying it again so soon. It's they have well, to. And, I, and I can tell you, I have never worn a mask
5: ever I have, I've absolutely pushed against this system the whole time. And so I've been the perfect person to run my group because I've never masked. I hug people regularly. We have a lineup at the end of the night of people hugging. We've never had an outbreak. Mm-hmm. So the meeting yesterday, our health director herself was sick. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and she's meeting with me and I'm fine with it, but it took everything in me not to say, did you, did you take the faulty PCR test to prove it wasn't COVID and, you know, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> her out. but it, it's mind-blowing <laughs> to me that these people are ignoring the evidence around them, that the yeah. unvaccinated people that have exposed themselves, like myself, I have a strong immune system and I'm one of the few people not getting sick every week because right. my exactly. immune system can handle it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's another part of it. I, I love you're like this perfect picture. You're you're the politics and the activists and the I mean, you've kind of got, you know, a well balanced because then you've got the wellness educator coach side of you and the musician side of you. So let's talk a little bit about wellness, um, being a wellness educator and coach. So how has that has it changed um, during COVID and what's going on there with that aspect of your life? Um, well, my,
5: my work in that field is a lot more just in my public domain of, of this group. We, I have always advocated for people to educate themselves and to make their own medical decisions. So we've provided a ton of information really early on about early treatment, how to make sure that you had the tools you needed if you were to get sick so that you weren't so fearful. And we've really advocated for people to be prepared so that they don't end up in the hospital because... Our hospital now is very much considered a death trap for unvaccinated mm. people. And there are many people now driving to other counties to get emergency medical care to avoid our hospital facility that mm. is increasingly having unvaccinated people die.
1: Wow. I don't know that going to other counties is any better. Do you? <laughs> there may be some that are doing a better job. Um, respecting, um, patients, but I'm hearing these stories across the nation that just staying, get your COVID kit, you know, get, actually we should, we need to stop calling it a COVID kit at this stage. Cause now you just need your, right. You're just your kit, <laughs> your home health treatment kit Two two things. Let's remind everybody you need a kit at home. We'll talk more about what should be in that kit and you need a trusted medical advisor. Because, you know, and you need them now, not when you're sick, because finding them when you're sick, you don't have time, you need to align yourself up with somebody that you know, if you know, if you're feeling really bad, and you're, you're afraid because of what you're dealing with, you need that professional to help guide you to who can help you through the system. And even if you do need to go to the hospital can help guide you safely through that experience. Um, if if necessary, but um, so many people still don't yet have a trusted medical advisor, health advisor on their team. So there is no time like the present to go find that person now. And there's lots of telemed people. You can, Dr. Pierre Corey's got a service now, drpierrecorey.com. Um, but, but I encourage people to also have a local person somebody right there that can help them. And there's a lot of, you know, in Washington state, you can have a naturopath be your primary care doctor. Right. Um, Right. And have a trust. Be mindful
5: of what naturopath it is because most naturopaths are now pushing the COVID injection.
1: Well, that's true. Um, Bastyr university was sort of captured by the pharmaceutical industry years ago. And they now teach the full CDC schedule. They, um, they're very silent on risks. They, it, It's completely biased. It's really a shame. There have been a few faculty um, and a few awesome students who have pushed back during their coursework, and I've been really proud to see that, but it's still... Yeah, you got to watch who you get. You got to get one of the old timers. Although there are some new ones. There's Dr. Anahead Jackson down in the southern part of the state who is fantastic. And she's young and, and wonderful and a very intuitive. We keep coming back to that word intuitive. She's an intuitive healer. You know, it's a, it, it's a gift. Well, I think the hardest pill to
5: swallow is learning to be our own um medical advocates and to learn about how our bodies work so that we can trust ourselves on our medical decisions and that mm-hmm. a doctor be an ally they should not be the person we're looking to 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 fix things because it's our body we have to take care of it and yes. and, and intuition is a huge part of that of just yeah. learning to trust yourself so that you can make informed decisions and and be cautious about those decisions knowing that you're the going to be the one to,
1: to bear the fruit of whatever that decision is Exactly, yeah, and if you know if you find that person and they're willing to even if you disagree in a couple of things, if they're willing to respectfully review some information you bring to them, um you know you might be able to develop that relationship, but it is a partnership, I absolutely agree, and your word is final, and mm-hmm. um it is so important to trust yourself, and there's a lot of messaging out out there telling you not to trust yourself, trust the experts, and I say. Don't defer to experts, refer to experts, take it all in, listen to your inner self, um, that trusted voice that has served mankind very well for a long time. Yeah, Um, what about your music? Have you had time, Misty, in all of this to, have you written anything that's specific to express what we've been experiencing? Um,
5: I wrote a couple songs. One, that was just kind of a, a, a mockery. It was called um, Quarantineville, but I haven't done much as far as writing. Um, my group is putting together a documentary, though, about the effects of the COVID restrictions, and we're going to be recording actually tomorrow a couple songs of mine um, that are vaccine-related and the passion that some of us have to to fight for our lives and for our children's
1: lives. So we'll be weaving a couple my songs into it. Oh, I'm so excited to hear about that. So when that debuts, you've got to come back on and pitch that so that we can uh, um, tell people where they can see it and um, make an event of it. That'll be really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny The I've been going back. Um, did I mention already in this hour the um, class that I'm going to be teaching with Dr. James Linesweiler, this starting in June. Let me go pull that up really quick. It's going to be medical ethics, informed consent, and in human rights. Um, IPAC-EDU.ORG, um, a fourteen-week class. But sort of in preparation for that, I've been doing some reading, and one of the things I did was I reread "Brave New World" by Aldous Huxley, and I hadn't read it in years, and I. I thought I knew the gist of it. But when you read it now after a couple of years of what we've been experiencing and not just COVID, though. Oh, no. No. So have you read it recently? Do you know where I'm going here, Javier?
2: And they love their enslavement.
1: Oh, yeah. It is pretty amazing. Um, One of the things that I just was shocked that – life experience has taught you. And it's like, I think I read it before intellectually. I processed it in my mind. I didn't process it in my gut because I didn't have the experience. But one of the things they did was as they were, are you, are you familiar with the premise, Misty of a Brave New World? Yeah, I've read it. Yeah. It's been
5: a huge part of, yeah, COVID. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah but you know they're indoctrinating they're they're playing over and over again messaging to you know the fetuses in the tubes and then the and then the babies and then the children over and over again so you know they're inclined to do things and believe certain things and all that and of course they totally broke up the idea of family mm-hmm. traditional family the idea of somebody being a mother is abhorrent mm-hmm. to them and disgusting or being a father or having a family unit and it even talks about that promiscuity is to be encouraged. Right. You you know, to just be loyal to one person. Oh, that's just, no, you don't do that, right? And, and then they very much, the, the little kids, they're very much, I don't even wanna talk about it on this program, but you know, they're sexualizing the little children. Exactly. Well, play your little games in the woods, you know, play Dr. Nurse as it is, but it's really encouraged just what I see happening now of just disintegration of the family unit and, you know, what it is to be a mother and and children at such a young age losing their innocence and not allowed to be just kids. Just, there's so much of it. And they did it intentionally because you can, in order to be able to control society. Um my sound just went blank. So I hope you're all can still hear me um, in order to control society, because if they didn't want people forming these allegiances and alliances to really truly fall in love, to believe in anything. Um, yeah. So I encourage people to go read some of those um, old and many of us have said, Hey, Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, those were not how-to manuals. Those were supposed to be warnings of what some of these ideas in the world where they could lead, but it seems that's where they want to go. Um, the books, sadly though, don't give us answers. (laughs) Um, they don't tell us how to, they show the need to get out of this and to stop it. But I think Misty Flowers and others like you are showing us how to get out of it because you're showing us the way you're getting involved. Um, bringing your community together. So is there anything else, um, Misty, that we have not covered yet? I'm pulling up your stuff again. um... Well, I did propose to my health department that
5: they they are required, and I hope that they follow through, to provide basic vaccine facts like vaccine exemption forms to the public. Um, And I reminded them that it would be better for them and their um, reputation if people were coming to them for those forms instead of me, a musician by trade. And and then one of the last things I did was I handed our health director the Dr. Fauci book. And we have now <laughs> served, we now have served our full council that book, our health director and our Washington state senator. So we, we were gifted, um, I'm very honored that we were gifted by Children's Health Defense with some of those books for our group to pass out to legislators. And we've been working diligently to personally hand that to them so that Fantastic. they can be held accountable really to the, to the information in there.
2: And I have a quick question for you, Misty. The, sure. the exemption forms, those are required by, by county law to be, to be available to the public, correct?
5: yeah state law for sure they they're supposed to be available and when i went to my health department the only information they have on vaccines in there are promotional flyers that directly say on the back of them compliments of pfizer i have brought this up now to the health department and to our county council demanding that they provide vaccine information that are facts that are from our government, you know, CDC officials, and they should not be getting promotional material through Pfizer to promote a health department. Um,
1: A few years ago, um, I can't remember the exact thing we were pushing the vaccine advisory committee on. Oh, it had to do with Michelle Roberts was uh chair elective aim association of immunization managers which is a collaboration with the pharmaceutical industry i think she's chair of aim now i haven't looked up in a while to see if she's still there but after this after i kind of um, publicly spoke about it to the board of health i had we had done a public records request And we discovered within days there was an interoffice memo going around the Department of Health that said, um, if you have anything given to you by a pharmaceutical company, you need to remove the logo from it. So they didn't say you couldn't take things from the pharmaceutical industry. Just make sure that their logo isn't on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That was their reaction to me, you know, calling intense conflict of interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy what you uh, get, but good for you. That Fauci book, if if listeners, if you haven't read it yet, it's the real Anthony Fauci by Robert F Kennedy Jr. It is so brilliant. It's very dense, so um, although it's hard to put it down, even though it's very dense, and what he does is take you through the history of. Anthony Fauci working with federal oversight agencies and sort of becoming the money man. And it starts back with HIV and what he did. And and everything's backed up with citation, citation, citation. And, And at the end of every chapter is a QR code. So you can go see if there's been updates to the chapter. And you can go click on hyperlinks to go read the studies and all the references that he's talking about. It's absolutely brilliant. And I don't know why Tony Fauci is still walking around a free man after, you know, you read that book. And then when you see what he did with HIV, you see, well, a lot of that game plan and a lot of those same people created the whole COVID reaction catastrophe. And they're doing it again with monkeypox, even to the point where it's like in certain communities. You know, it's just really amazing. They must think it works so well the first time. then just going to go ahead and replay it again. Um, I'm sure you've seen this, correct? The, the
5: NTI, the, the playbook that they did in 2021, the tabletop exercise for the monkeypox?
1: Yeah, yeah, there was one in 2021. Yeah, just like event 201. And these yes. are not conspiracy things. You can go find them. They're world globalists that did tabletop exercises first for a coronavirus, and then two months later, COVID hit. And then then for the monkeypox, it was about two months later, we started hearing about monkeypox. But then, um, do you ever read that Coffee and COVID, um, Jeff Childers' substack? Oh, it's so good. Um, He showed in his post recently, two studies. One showed that the people who are susceptible to monkeypox have a particular part of their immune system suppressed, not working well. And then he showed a study on COVID-19 vaccine exposure and it showed that, oh gosh, it suppresses that part of the immune system. So it could be that um, vaccine exposure makes you more susceptible to monkeypox or maybe if you were already exposed to some sort of pox somewhere and it's now because so much we're seeing right come up because of the vaccines it's suppressing your immune system so something that you were sort of keeping in um suppressed or your immune system was handling now it can't handle because of the shot so all right we got a, the two-minute warning misty and javier so last words here javier what's your last words here
2: I'll give them all the Misty.
1: I'll give them all the Misty. All right, Misty. So tell people where they can find you um, if they want to learn what you're doing and do in their community, or if they're up near you, if they want to join you.
5: Well, I want to say thank you first for your time. This is just, I so appreciate all the efforts you have done over the years. You definitely inspire me and you have been an ally to me in resources and support. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And um, so our our website is BeBraveWashington.com. It's very grassroots. We're trying to make it more user friendly, but we have a lot of information on there about what we're up to as far as resources. And we've started a, a news uh, page. And then we also have an actions page So if anybody is interested in starting a local advocacy group, I would love to support you in that. And they can reach me at BeBraveWashington.com or they can email me BeBraveWa at ProtonMail.com.
1: That's fantastic. Um, And there I hear the music, so that's going to be it. So, Misty Flowers, thank you for joining us. And Javier, as always, you guys have a great Memorial Day weekend. You've been listening to an Informed Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be back next week.
4: If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com.
7: Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy, but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today.
6: Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you.